Um, a while back, I don't know, a few, few months ago or so, I, uh, one particular evening, I was having a conversation with my wife, Rachel. There was some stuff that was going on. I just wanted to get a chance to be able to talk with her about it and process stuff. And so I started a conversation with her. We were sitting in our living room, and, and I noticed as I, as I looked at her while we were talking that she was responding to me like this. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, sure, uh-huh, that's great. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, oh, good, yeah, 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 okay, you ever had that happen to you? Anyone here in the room? Show of hands, all sites, all venues right now. Yeah, it's pretty much all of us. Yeah, okay, just be honest. Isn't that just like unbelievably annoying? You know, when you're having a conversation with somebody and you feel like you're fighting for their attention with this lovely little screen that they have in front of them. Maybe it's a coworker who does that to you or a friend. Maybe it's your spouse, parents. Maybe it's your kids that do that. Okay, or let's be honest. Students, anyone in the room? Maybe it's your parents that are like doing that with you. Can I get an amen from anyone here? You know what I'm saying? So, or, you know, I know all kinds of people in the service industry who anytime that, you know, I mean, baristas that I know, people who are working cash registers, and they say that, I mean, they feel like they're having more conversations with the tops of people's head than they actually are with people's faces. And so I felt like potentially like it was my duty to, to call Rachel out, you know, on this issue <laughs> that she had in her life in this moment. She was doing this to me and she just needed to realize, you know, what was going on. And so I said to her, I said, hey, Rach, you know, while we're talking, you know, maybe, maybe like we could, like you could look at me and we could have a conversation. That went over really well. And, um, and I said, you know, because, because as you're, as you're doing this, you know, I mean, you're, you're on your screen and it's kind of rude and, uh, you know, I, I, it's sort of annoying. And so, you know, is that okay? And, uh, she looked at me Kind of like that. Like as, if to, like as if to say, like, are you serious? In fact, I think that her exact words to me in that moment were, you've got to be kidding me. And she went on to say, you do this all the time. Literally just like that. So I was shocked that she would take this moment where I was, I was helping her to see an area in her life. And, and she would turn it around on me in that moment. Needless to say, it wasn't one of our finest hours. But the thing that I found <laughs> was that, okay, as, as, as I started to go through the next few days and even the next weeks, she was like totally right. Like I did this to, like, I did this to her all the time. In fact, I did this to people, all kinds of different people, might be some of you, all the time. It was one of these areas I was completely oblivious to. And being oblivious to something I was calling her out on, yeah, I was being a hypocrite. Nobody likes a hypocrite, right? I mean, it, look, it, let's be honest, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the age that you are, the stage of life that you are, the culture that you're from, the color of your skin. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Like, nobody likes a hypocrite. I think it's something we could all agree on. 
by the way, welcome to Blackhawk Church. So, so glad that you are with us. Welcome to all of our Blackhawk family. Welcome to all of our Blackhawk family online that's joining. Would you just welcome me, help me welcome the people right now who are joining us online, all of our sites and venues downtown in Fitchburg and Gospel Fusion and Traditions. We're just glad we have a chance to all be able to be together. And if you're new to Blackhawk, if you're one of the people that knew at any of these places, we are uh, in the middle of this series. I think we're in week nine of this series called Becoming, where we've been taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount, this particular sermon that Jesus gave that's all recorded and documented in Matthew chapters five through seven. It's this incredible sermon that he gives. But the idea we've been moving towards is, is really instead of just taking a look at what are the things that Jesus was saying, and taking a look at the deeper issue of who were the people that he wanted the listeners to become. The listeners back then, as well as, as us today, that we might be people who become more like Jesus. And today, we are talking about the subject of hypocrisy. <laughs> Yay! You know, isn't that great? So, you know, and, and, and we're talking about a particular, we're talking about a particular type of, of hypocrisy today. We're talking about the type that calls someone on the carpet for something that they do that they themselves do on a regular basis, you know? And that's just, man, kind of an ugly type of, of hypocrisy. And really, that type of hypocrisy, it stems from something within inside of us that I don't think that we're always aware that we move towards. It stems towards this idea of, of judgment. I'm going to look at someone else, and I'm going to judge them in some way, even if I'm not aware from the fact that, that I do it. And so we're going to look at this passage really that begins with this idea. That's the foundation, it, like it's the basis of this whole area of hypocrisy, this type of judgment. So if you have your Bibles, uh, or if you have them on your screen, you can pull them out now and look at them. Don't feel guilty about the fact that you look at your screen. So you can pull it out now, look at it. Matthew chapter 7 is where we are beginning. Matthew 7. Starting with verse 1, we're going to all together cover about six verses of Scripture today as we move through this. This is verses 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, now... now these, these verses right here are actually fairly familiar to people. You might not have it memorized, but my guess is, is that you have heard this at some point. You know, in fact, it's one that we like to quote to each other, Christian or non-Christian. Judge not, or you too will be judged. Some of us learned it in the King James. Judge not, lest you be judged. We like to be able to point that out to people. AKA, yeah, don't judge me. You know, that's the way we end up using it. And but, but the reality is, the sad truth of that is the reason why people will use that is because Christians have, have become these people who are, are known in many ways for being judgmental. I mean, really, if you look at it, if you, if you do any research, there is research that has been done where people have looked at words that people think of when they think of Christians, positive or negative, and one of the top words that people think of is judgmental. Some of you, you might not be Christians who are in the room right now, and you are sitting here as I'm talking about that, Christians being judgmental, and you are totally nodding your head with me. So, or you actually, you might be internally nodding your head because you're afraid that if you externally nod your head right now, people around you might judge you. So you're being careful about that. 
So, but some of us, like as Christians, like we wear it almost like a badge of honor. You know, like I have the spiritual gift of judgment, you know, and I will bestow it upon everyone who I'm around. So we, we, we just have this idea. And, and here's the sad thing about it is that, is that Christians are known this way. And yet the one that we follow, we see here in this passage is the one who told us not, not to do it. You know, like, okay, in all, in all seriousness, there are some of you who are in the room right now, and you've been involved in the church, but you got turned off by the church, and the reason why is because of someone like me who judged you. You felt judged by somebody in some type of authority-type position, and it didn't just turn you off towards the church, it potentially turned you off towards Jesus in, in, in some way. So there, there's some of you, it didn't even take someone in the church. You've just had experience with other Christians. Maybe it was a, a family member or uh, you know, a friend or a coworker or something that you felt judged by in, in, in some way and it turned you off towards the idea of ever really taking a look at Christianity, taking a look at Jesus. Some of you right now, you're watching online, and the reason why you're watching online is because you're not sure if you actually were to walk into one of our sites or venues, that it would be a place where you would feel safe. Like, because you're afraid that if you were to walk through the doors, you would just feel judged. And look, if, if, if you're in that camp, regardless of where you are, one of our sites, venues, online, or here, in person, as a senior pastor of our church, I just, I just want to say I'm sorry. As Christians, yeah, we've blown it this way. And we've done damage to people. And my hope is, is that you, as we move towards this, this subject today and take a look at this passage, that we would gain a deeper understanding, that you would gain a deeper understanding of what it is that, that Jesus said about this subject of judgment because the reality is, I mean, he told us not to judge and he actually does it from a really interesting angle that, that plays out all through the Sermon on the Mount. We start to see a pattern of the way that Jesus is talking here. Judge not or you too will be judged. It starts all the way back in, in Matthew chapter five, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the section that is the Beatitudes. And in that particular section, chapter five, verse seven, it said, Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. In other words, as we understand mercy, we should show mercy, we're given mercy. And then later on in chapter six, we talked about this just two weeks ago with the Lord's Prayer. And we talked about in this section where it says, we, we, Jesus taught us to pray and, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You skip forward just a, a verse in there. Jesus goes on after the prayer to say, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. You see, like people who have like understood that they are forgiven are people who should forgive others. Now, now here's the thing. When we read these ideas, those who have blessed are the merciful, they'll be shown mercy. Father, forgive us as we forgive others. If we forgive others, then we'll be forgiven. Judge not, lest you be judged. These can all sound like ultimatums in some way, which actually I think there's something different that's going on here when we read this. 
You see, we're getting a picture of the message of the gospel altogether. That for those of us who have, by, by, by faith in Jesus Christ, accepting him as our savior, we are in right relationship with God. The things that we experience, mercy, forgiveness, that as we experience those things, it would transform the way that we are able to bestow those upon other people. The more that I understand I've been shown mercy and forgiveness, the more mercy and forgiveness I should be able to give other people. Well, in the same way, when it comes to this subject of judgment, this is the idea that, that as I understand the way that God judged me with, with grace and mercy and forgiveness, it should transform the way that I judge other people. The, so, so in other words, if you're a person who accepted Christ as your savior, you would consider yourself to be a Christian. And during that time, all that you have really done has just become like more judgy of other people. I would go as far to say that potentially you're not really understanding what it is that God has truly offered you this element of grace and mercy and forgiveness that he shows us because that is what should flow from our lives. The more we understand God, the more that goes out from us. I mean, really, it, it just comes down to something that Chris is going to talk about in the passage next week. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, really, this element that like, we just simply want people to treat us the way that we would want to be treated. And the way that God treated us ultimately should affect the way we treat other people. We're people who want mercy and grace. So that's what we should show to others. It's kind, of, it's kind of like this. Okay, let's have a real honesty moment. How many of us have been um, pulled over at some point by the police for speeding? So let, come on. I'm the first one raising my hand. This is fantastic. No, keep them up. Don't put them down. Come on. This is, and this is great. See, you can look around right now. We're all learning things about each other. This is amazing. So the reason why I bring this up is because just a couple weeks ago, I was driving here in Dane County, and uh, um, I, was, I was, you know, driving on a, on a road. I was caught behind somebody who was going below the speed limit. And, uh, and okay, I, like, it just, it's a thing with me. It just annoys me. Like, you're allowed to go faster. And, uh, and so I'm behind someone like that, and I was kind of in a hurry. I was running late. And so I decided to go around this person. And as I went around them, yeah, I'm going faster than the speed limit now at this particular point. And so I go around them. What I didn't notice was at the exact moment I was doing that, I was driving by a speed trap with a police officer off to my right hand side. And I saw him right as I was pulling back into that lane. And I thought, oh no. And so, and immediately I like, he pulls out and there are lights behind me and everything that way. And he pulls me over. So Okay, now let's flip that story. There have been times where I have been the person that someone has sped around. And what's my thought in that moment? Well, for crying out loud, where's a cop when you need it, you know? <laughs> like, and I see, and then have you ever had a moment where you've seen someone speed by you and they get pulled over and you're like, yes, come on. This is fantastic. I bet they're a horrible person too. I bet they cheat on their taxes and they're mean to puppies and, you know, like... <laughs> They get pulled over. Yes, give them a ticket. But see, when it's me, when I'm pulled over, what do I want? Man, I want mercy. I want to say, like, I, like, I want to say, like, your officer, look, I'm not, I'm, I normally don't do that. You know, and I, did I mention I'm a really good person? And, uh, and like, no, see, I want to be shown mercy in that moment. 
Well, in case you're wondering, I got a ticket. So there you go. But, but that's beyond the point. Think about that from the perspective, though. We want to be, how do we want to be treated in comparison to how we treat others? You see, the whole concept of this is God would say, look, from the way that I have treated you, my hope is that that would transform the way that you treat others, to give you more the ability to be able to treat other people the way that you ultimately would want to be treated. That's really where he's going from the beginning on this baseline of judgment that starts us in a direction of hypocrisy. And then he moves towards hypocrisy, and he does it in a way that Jesus does with a classic story, in a way that Jesus as the storyteller really can only do. Let's keep going. Verse 3. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye? When all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay, what's Jesus doing here? This is like a mini parable that he's telling. And he's, Jesus in this moment, you got to realize, Jesus is trying to be funny in this moment. My guess is he picks up something. And he's got a whole crowd of people. Maybe he picks up a stick to the side or something. And he gives this picture of a person who literally has a plank coming out of his face. And says, first off, this looks ridiculous. And the fact that it would be there and you wouldn't know it, yeah, that's even more sad. And then the fact that you would be the person who's like, oh, yeah, hey, listen, you got something in your eye right there. Let me, come here, let me see. Come here, let me see. Yeah, I can't get all, just come close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me see. Yeah, never mind this. Let me help you. I, you. You look like you need help right now, you know? We start going that way. See, it's ridiculous. And in the same way that people are laughing here, I'm guessing people would have laughed back then. But see, Jesus, Jesus has this way of saying things that are humorous or that pull us in and then all of a sudden giving us like the little jab to the gut. You know, oh, hilarious, yeah, planks back, yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, you hypocrite. <laughs> I mean, he flat out says it in the verse right here. Look at that, I mean, he just says, you hypocrite. Ha, hilarious, yeah, you're a hypocrite. Thanks so much for being here. And so what does he say to do in that moment? For any of us who walk around like this, he goes on to say this. He says, look, first, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you'll be able to see clearly. Just take the plank. Do some, own in, your, some of your own introspection. Yeah, hey, Rachel, yeah, you've got a problem with your cell phone. Yeah, I got a four-foot cell phone sticking out of my face right now as I'm talking to her about that issue. He's just saying, look, just do some homework on yourselves, be self-aware enough to realize what are the things that are going in our lives that are planks that we need to be aware of. <laughs> so let's do a little introspection for just a minute. As, as, as parents, any parents in the room, um, any parents watching online or in any of our sites, like when, when we think of our kids, we're, uh, my guess is, is that we could all say that we're trying to raise our kids with with good ideals of life. We're trying to help them from everything from like making good decisions like with food choices to the amount of screen time that they use to um, controlling their temper to, to sharing and being kind and gracious with other people. That's what we're trying to help our kids. But okay, 
How are you doing with those things? How are we as parents doing? In other words, are they hearing one thing from us and seeing us live it out completely differently? <laughs> or how about uh, some of us, we get really annoyed but when we go onto social media and we see those idiot people who are constantly posting things about all sorts of different stuff and their views and drives us crazy. Only <laughs> we do the same thing. We just have a differing opinion than they do. How many of us would say that, that, that we try to help other people understand that we're to be people who are be, to, like, to be obedient to, to Jesus, his calling in our life? The, the, the rules that he gives us, we're to be obedient to those things. But then behind closed doors, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that we end up doing or maybe just a couple things that we're doing that we know we're not supposed to be doing. Like you get, you get drunk on the weekends. Maybe you're, you're, you're sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend outside of marriage. May, <laughs> there are, are there people who you would consider cheaters in the way that they are living life, and yet there are places in the system of life that you're cheating as well, but they're not as big of a deal. Are there people who you look at the way that they spend their money and the way that they have more than you do, and they, seeming, they seem like they are more selfish, and that drives you crazy, and yet even though you don't have as much money as they do, you have more than some people, and you don't tend to give all that much either. You see, all of a sudden, when we start to look at these things, we start to realize there could be something sticking out of our face that we don't even realize is there. Jesus is saying, look, the plank that's coming out of your face, yeah, like, be aware of it. First, deal with those things. It's important for us to be people who would move towards that. But he says in actuality, we need to do that for a particular reason. And that's where he continues on. Let's keep going with the passage. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, Jesus is saying there's a purpose for getting rid of this thing. And it's in order to be a person who can, who can actually help others. No doubt there is a person in this story who has an issue that they need help with. Okay, in order to understand what Jesus is saying, I think we need to unpack who this person is for a minute because the passage actually says that this person is a, is a brother. In other words, they are part of the family. They are somebody who, from Jesus' perspective, they have signed on the dotted line with the family of God. They are a person who is a Christ follower. And I think that's important for us to realize because I think that for sometimes, for, for those of us who are Christians, we... Um, we expect that non-Christians who we would do life with would live by the same rules that Christians live by. And I think we make a mistake there because they haven't decided to be a part of that and live by the family rules. You get what I mean by family rules? Like when I, when I okay, when I was growing up, um, there were times um, when I was in high school, any high school students who are here, you'll get this. There were times where I would go out and, uh, and I would end up getting home after the curfew my parents set. And, and, and sometimes when that happened, I would have uh, a friend who was sleeping over. And so my friend and I would both get home. I'm after curfew. And so necessarily, you know, not surprising, my, my parents would not be happy with that. But were they mad at my friend? Like, would my friend get in trouble? No, they're a guest. I'm the one who would get in trouble. 
Because the family rules, they apply to me. You see, I think that we need to just be aware of that in the way that we reach out towards other people. The other thing that the word brother tells us there, and this word actually, it's a Greek word, um, the word adophos, which is a word meaning brother, but it actually is a gender inclusive word that could mean brother or sister. It's a family member. And the idea of the family member is the fact that there would be a relationship there. There's a relationship that we have with this particular person. And, uh, and within that relationship, that's important to understand that is like as the family of God, God desires for us to be people who are in each other's lives, helping one another become more like Jesus. Like we're all, I mean, let's just be honest. We're all broken. We all have specks and the occasional plank sticking out of our head. None of us is Jesus. And so the idea is that as the church, the family of God, the community of God, we would be in relationship with one another to help each other with these types of things. That idea is all throughout scripture. Look, if you've got your phones, you might wanna take a picture of this slide with all of these different verses that you could look at later on in the week. But these are different subjects. Advise one another, speak truth in love to one another, teach one another, sharpen one another, encourage one another, urge one another on more towards Jesus, challenge one another to change and become more like him. Like, you get this idea that Jesus is not just saying, well, get rid of the plank in your eye and then leave everybody else alone because that's their own business. No, he says that, like, we're to be people who are in each other's lives. That's the reason why we talk about around here, regardless if you're watching online or you're at any of our sites or you're in the room, relationship is important. It's the reason why we push groups all the time is because the idea is not that we would just come and sit and listen or watch online by ourselves and then leave and we've done church for the one hour, that we would be people who are helping one another to become more like Jesus. That's who we're supposed to be. This is where Jesus is going with this whole section of scripture. And then all of a sudden, like if you're just reading off the top, like without really thinking about it, Jesus seems to like the next things he says just seem like they're out of left field. Like it just sort of is a curveball where Jesus, you're like, what are you talking about? He says this, do not give to dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Like, okay, what? Like, where's that coming from? We've all of a sudden gone from specks and planks to dogs and pigs. And I'm not exactly sure what took place there. There's actually, there, there are a lot of conversations that theologians have had on this particular verse as to what it means. I'm going to give you my perspective on where I've landed based on the things that I've read. And, um, and, and, and I think that in order to understand it, I think that we have to be able to look at this verse as another short parable, not an allegory. You see, an allegory would be one that would say, okay, so we need to figure out all the pieces. Who are the dogs and who are the pigs and all? No, 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 I don't think that's what's taking place. In a parable, the idea of a parable story is that there would be one main point. And that's really what Jesus, I think, was trying to do. And I think it completely fits with the direction that he's been going. He says in this moment, don't give what is sacred. Don't give your valuables to, to dogs and pigs. What's the one thing that dogs and pigs really want? They want food. That's all they really think about. That's all they really care about. If you, like, I'm guessing you have never seen a pig that's trying to, I think we've got, like, a picture. Like, you never see a pig looking like that, going, don't I look good? Look at these pearls. It just does not happen. 
You see, like dogs and pigs want food. And if you try to give them something that we would consider a value, they're not going to see it as valuable. And so they're either gonna try to eat it and get frustrated or they're gonna realize it's not food and they're not gonna be happy with you. Let's just say it's not going to end well. This whole concept, I mean, is talked about in the book of Proverbs. It says this, Proverbs chapter nine, says whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. So do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. You see, when it comes to, to helping others, not everyone wants help. And so it's just simply saying, look, as you do that, be wise and discerning to the people that you are offering help to, to make sure it's something that they actually really want. So because not everybody is gonna want help. Which moves me towards, I mean, kind of as we're closing this out, towards a direction that I think is worth, all of, uh, worth a little bit of time for all of us to go towards and answer a question like this. Because talking about we need to move towards people who want help. In your life, do you? Are you a person who wants help? Are you a person? Because, because Proverbs would say that the wise person is someone who wants help, who heeds correction this way. You see, I think that for a lot of us, I think like the idea of wisdom, we love the idea. Yeah, I would love to be wise. I just don't really want people to help me get there. <laughs> Like, I'd like to figure out wisdom on my own and then be able to bestow wisdom upon others. I, and the thing is, is with this passage, the direction that really Jesus has been going has been really on the giving side of advice, but I think that there's huge importance in us being able to look at the receiving side. Are you a person who is open to allowing other people to speak into your life and to point out the specs and help you with those and to help you in the removal of the occasional plank. So let's get real, I mean, just real honest here. You got anyone in your life who does that for you? Do you have anyone that you've opened the door to? Because we all have close friends, but have you ever actually like gone to a friend who you have and, and said to them, hey, I, I want you to know I'm giving you the right to speak truth into my life. Like, I'm giving you the right to be able to show me the places where I might be blind, where I'm missing the mark, where I need to grow, because I'm not Jesus. And your friend will nod and go, yep, that's right, you're not Jesus, you know? So I'm not Jesus, and I need help. See, there's something powerful about that. Okay, just stop and think about this for a minute. Imagine if our church, Blackhawk Church, regardless if you're online, sites, venues, here in the room. Just imagine if we could get this right. Like imagine if we could become a community of people who understand the grace and mercy and forgiveness that God has shown each and every one of us, that it might change the way that we move towards others, not in hypocritical judgment, but in, in, in loving each other. Imagine being people who, who take the time to be able to be self-aware, to see the places where we might have a plank that we need to deal with and to deal with that in order that we might be a community that can come alongside each other, encouraging each other, 
like admonishing, challenging, pointing out those specks that like we just need a little help getting rid of. And imagine if we were the people who <laughs> really strive to not be the pig, <laughs> but are, are willing to, to be open to that type of challenge and advice from one another. Like you think about in the world that we live in right now, we're on one side, people are like, nope, you have no right to ever judge me. You just keep stuff to yourself. And on the other side, we see the other extreme in the world of social media and everything where we all feel like we completely have the right to judge each other up and down however it is that we want. Imagine being a community of people who just love one another, challenge one another, and through it become, become more like Jesus. Like imagine, imagine the difference that that would make when we do that with one another. Imagine the difference it would make in our families. Imagine the difference it would make in our, in our workplaces. Imagine the ways that we would come across in our, in our neighborhoods. As we, think about this, as we become more like Jesus. See, we move towards this. We get this right. Man, it can change a community. It can change the world because the steps that we take help us, each and every one of us, to become more the people God intended us to be, to become more like Jesus, that it might change this world that we live in. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you so much for the grace and mercy that you've shown all of us who have accepted your son Jesus which you offered to us freely like we deserve your judgment you've given us something some completely different God I pray I pray for all of us you would help us to be people who continue to be transformed by that message that would change the way that we move towards one another God would you would you give us the ability to love each other deeply, to, to speak into one another's lives and challenge one another and to be open to the feedback that God, through all of it, we might be people who become more like you. We thank you so much, Father. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said.